Hey, what's up, Higher Death family? Pastor George here, and I am so excited to be able to worship with you guys this Sunday morning here from First Church of God in Columbus, Ohio. Listen, I know you were looking for Pastor Allman and his awesome wife, Dr. Allman, uh, but you know, they are away uh, grieving and away dealing with matters with their family. And uh, one of the best things that you guys can do as a congregation is walk with them and support them and journey with them as they go through this uh, challenging season in their lives. Um, I too just walked down this road that Pastor, All, um, Pastor Ernest is uh, walking down with the, the loss of my father. Uh, so I very well know what it means to lose someone so dear to you. Uh, and so one of the best things that uh, happened for me was I had a group of people who rallied around me uh, and supported me and undergirded me and helped me in that season, in that time of need. And I pray that you are a congregation that will stand by and stand with your pastor in this season. Amen. Can I get an amen? Listen, um, Psalms 23, one of the things we always say uh, when we're talking to families that are grieving is, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because God is with us. And uh, while he's walking in this valley, and while this family is journeying in this valley, we know that we have a God that walks with us in every season, in every moment, in every time in our life. Uh, so we are certainly believing for him and we are certainly believing with him that God will put the pieces of their lives back together again. And so we're going to go ahead and get into a word. I want to invite you into a word that I shared with our family here at First Church about faith, a faith that waits. Have you ever waited on something from God? Have you ever been believing God for something? Believing God for your healing? Believing God for your deliverance? Believing God for your man, for your husband? And, and, and it just took forever to get there. It took so long for you to get what it is that you were believing God for. This message that I'm going to share with you uh, this Sunday morning talks about that. It talks about what to do when we find ourselves waiting on God. So come on, join us for this message, and I hope that it blesses you. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, verses 22 through 24, and then we're going to jump to, 35, uh, to verse 35, and then stick your finger in Psalms. We're going to jump there as well. Mark chapter 5, and it should be on the screens. Mark chapter 5, 22, which says, Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, and he pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Verse 35, While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and told him, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? And then turn with me to Psalms chapter 27. Very familiar passage of scripture. Psalms 27 
and it reads as this, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. For the next few moments, I have uh, been privileged with the opportunity to continue Bishop's series, The Anatomy of Faith, with a message entitled, A Faith That Waits. Somebody say, A Faith That Waits. Say it like you mean it. A Faith That Waits. Now look to somebody else with that sanctified mask on and tell them, It's worth the wait. You may be seated. Father, we thank you for this word that you're about to share. We pray that you would speak right now some wonderful truth that you would have for us to see. Open up my eyes so that you might see. Open up our eyes so that you might see. Uh, open up our ears so that we might hear. And Lord, open up our hearts so that we might believe what you're saying to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. We all said together. I said we all said together. Look at somebody and say, it's worth the wait. Huh. One of the great things about being uh, in a seasoned church like First Church. One of the great things about being around seasoned saints uh, in First Church is that you are surrounded by people that truly understand the power and the significance of a good weight. See, my generation and my kids' generation, we are oftentimes enamored and consumed with this word called now. Uh, we want everything now. We want success now. We want our food now. We want a man now. We want a boo now. We want a budding career now. We want money now. We want a promotion now. We want the good life now. And because we were raised with this TV dinner, hot pocket, Pop-Tart mentality where we get everything quick. We get everything fast. We get everything now. And Chick-fil-A has spoiled us. Uh, because if you have to sit anywhere for longer than seven minutes in a drive-through, you're halfway salty. You have a you have an attitude that you got to sit in the drive-through for that long. You almost want to leave, but you've been waiting there too long. But but how many of you remember? You can remember a time where you didn't have microwaves and you didn't have air fryers. Uh, uh, you, you didn't have fast food and you you had to heat stuff up with the oven. Uh, you didn't throw them pans away. You didn't throw that foil away. You you took them jokers out and you put them things in the oven. How many of you remember if you wanted something good to eat, you had to go to Big Mama's house after church. You knew that she had some food in that crock pocket or the crock pot that's been cooking for eight hours. You knew that after church you had a meal coming. How many of you remember if you wanted something good to eat, if you wanted a good meal, a meal cooked with love, a meal cooked with care, you knew that Mama started cooking that thing at 5 a.m.? You knew that it's worth the wait. I thought I had more amens right there. If you knew that that turkey was worth the wait, if you knew that that, that stuffing was worth the wait, if you knew that that mac and cheese was worth the wait, if you knew that that cake, when I'm thinking about Thanksgiving, y'all, it's right around the corner, if you knew that that plate was worth the wait and were willing to sit there all day long and stare at the wall waiting five and a half hours to wait for Nene's cake, then how is it that when it comes to spiritual matters, how is it that when it comes to faith, how is it when it comes to our lives, how is it that when it comes to our God, we lose our ability to wait? Uh, how is it that we seem to forget how to wait? We, for, we forget uh, that everything good in this life, everything of value in this life is worth the wait. Uh, there's, there's an old English proverb that says, good things come to those who wait. And many of y'all thought that was scripture because your mama quoted it so many times. But, but here is the problem. Many of us don't receive the good life because we don't know how to wait in life. 
David said, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living. And I know you want to see the good life now. I know, I know you want to see the goodness now. I, want to know, I know you want to experience uh, the blessings of God now. I know you want to feel the power of God now. I know you want to experience the promises of God now. But uh, did you think that, that all that was going to come without a fight? Did you think uh, that the enemy was just going to let you get what God has for you? Did you think uh, that it was just going to happen overnight? Uh, did you somehow get in your mind uh, that this thing was just going to come without you having to wait for some stuff? When we look at Psalms chapter 27, uh, we are being invited into David's present online, into his prayer online church. We're, we're being invited into David's prayer room. And he starts by expressing his confidence in God. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies, come uh, and came to eat of my flesh, they stumbled and they fell. Here it is, beloved. He begins expressing his confidence in God. He expresses his confidence in God being the source of joy, the source of his life. He begins by expressing his confidence in God as deliverer and God as protector. But then somewhere in the midst of him being in that prayer, his tone begins to change. His tenor begins to change. His words begin to change. His confidence begins to change. His confidence begins to wane. Uh, he goes from God being his protector and God being his deliverer and God, I want your presence to God, don't leave me hanging. God, uh, God, God, don't, don't forsake me. God, don't hide your face from me. When all the hell is breaking loose in my life, when all these things are falling apart, when things are distant and disarray, Lord, be my help. Uh, and as he's sitting there praying, as David is in this prayer room, I believe something happened. I believe he opened up his eyes and he looked at his situation. He looked at his circumstance. He looked at the landscape of his life and he felt a shift in his spirit. He felt a shift in his body. He felt a shift going on the inside. And he said, I would have fainted unless I believed, but I believed. I would have fainted, but I believed. I almost fainted, but I believe. And I can hear Pastor Notch preaching over my shoulder saying, I almost, but I'm too close. I almost what I took, I almost gave up. I almost gave in. I almost let go. I almost quit, but I believed. I believe that I've come too far to stop now. I believe that he's brought me this far and he's not going to leave me here. I, I believe that there is favor on the other side of this fight. I believe that my breakthrough was right around the corner. I believe that I've come too far to stop now. I would have fainted, but I believe the goodness of the Lord is right around the corner. He believed that while he was in his waiting season, while he was waiting for his change to come, while he was waiting for his deliverance to come, that he would receive the goodness of the Lord in his life. Look to somebody and tell him, it's worth the wait. Another version of this text says, I remain confident of this. I remain confident of this. You see, David said, uh, devil, you thought you broke my confidence. You, you thought you broke my spirit. You thought you broke my faith. You thought I would not endure. You thought uh, that you had me, but the Lord came and he grabbed me. He held me close so I wouldn't let go. I remain confident of this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in what? The land of the living. Uh, that certainly is true. But sometimes that means we have to wait Sometimes we have to go through waiting seasons. 
Why, beloved? Because something happens when we wait. While you're waiting, God is working. While, while we are waiting, not only is he working on it and not only is he working for us, he is working on us and he's working in us. And there's a lesson that he is trying to teach us in the wait. Here's that lesson. It's not simply about us having the ability to wait. It's also how we behave as we wait. It's not just the fact that we have to wait. It's how we act as we wait. Because waiting, beloved, it requires faith. And number one, faith requires belief. Somebody say belief. Do you believe me? Do, do you believe God? Do you believe him? Uh, just, just last Sunday, uh, we, little George had his fifth birthday. And uh, well, many of me, he's getting old, or I'm getting old, one or the other. Uh, but for about six months, more like a year, George had been talking about all that he wanted for his birthday. Uh, he, he would see something on TV and say, Daddy, I want that. He would see something that he desired and make his request known, and he would emphatically declare, Daddy, I want that. <laughs> there, there you go. So, so by the time November got here, he had a laundry list of things that he wanted for his birthday. He wanted Jurassic Park stuff. He wanted Godzilla stuff. He wanted T-Rex stuff. He wanted drumstick. He wanted all this stuff. And one day I was in the store and I made the costly parental mistake of walking near a toy owl. I didn't walk down the toy owl. I walked near the toy owl. And I looked back and George was nowhere to be found. So I walked back. This dude is in the middle of an owl looking at the biggest T-Rex he has ever seen in his life. He said, Daddy, I want that. I said, Lord, here we go. I said, son, your birthday's coming up. I promise you that I'm going to get it for your birthday. But daddy, I want it now. Uh, son, your birthday's coming up. I'm going to get it for you. But daddy, my birthday is taking for such a long time. This is, this is him saying, uh, it's taking a long time. But daddy, it's taking for such a long time. And I'm like, son, I'm going to get it for your birthday. Come on, let's get out of this store. So, so, so Monday comes. He said, Daddy, is it time yet? I said, no, son, but I'm going to get it for your birthday. He said, but Daddy, is taking for such a long time. And Tuesday comes around. He said, Daddy, is it my birthday? I said, no, no, you got a few more days, son. But Daddy, it's taking for such a, oh, such a long time. Wednesday comes around. He said, uh, Daddy, is it time yet? I want my T-Rex now. I said, son, I promise you that I got you. I promise you that I'm going to give you this T-Rex. He said, but Daddy, it's taking for such a long time. Have you ever had God say yes, but but not now? Have you ever heard God say yes but later? Uh, one of the hardest things for me to do as a parent is to see my son in tears and see my son with tears down his eyes wanting and desiring this thing but I have to say yes but not now. Uh, one of the hardest things for us to do as believers is hearing God say yes but not now. Because you can see it. Because you can visualize it. Because you can grasp it. And sometimes that thing that you want, that thing that you desire, that thing that you're chasing after, it's within your grasp. Oh, so Monday comes. Uh, Daddy, can I get it? No. No, son, but, but I got you. Uh, but it's taken for such a long time. He did not realize that while he was waiting, his daddy was working. He, he didn't realize that while he, was, while he was waiting, his daddy was putting in work so that he can do that 
and more. So his birthday comes that his birthday comes Sunday and he walks downstairs and he sees all the he sees a T-Rex, he sees a Godzilla, he sees monster trucks, he sees drumsticks and he gets to drop the rock star drum party. He got everything that was on his list and more. And and then he had the nerve to look over at me and say, "Daddy, you said you was going to get it." How many of us are like little George? We have some things that we are believing God for. We have some things that we believe God is going to do. We have some things uh, that God has promised us and told us, but we can't handle the weights. Uh, God is taking for such a long time. God, uh, I've been praying for a man, but God, you're taking uh, such a long time. God, I've been praying for my healing, but you're taking such a long time. God, I've been praying for this promotion, but God, you're taking such a long time. God, I've been praying for my change to come, but you're taking a long time. And God is saying, do you believe me? Do you believe what I promised you five years ago? Do you believe what I promised you five months ago? Do you believe me? Can you believe God in the midst of your weights? The second point I want to bring to your attention is that faith requires trust. Somebody say trust. Faith requires complete trust, not conditional trust. Complete trust. Do you trust God when it all works out? Do you trust God when nothing works out? Do you trust God when he exceeds your expectations? Do you trust God when he doesn't come near your expectations? Do you trust God when it seems like he, he doesn't come close? Do you trust God when, 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 when he offers you the promise? Do you trust God in the middle of your waiting season? Faith, beloved, is trusting his timing. Faith is trusting his will. Faith is trusting his way. Faith is trusting God even when life doesn't make sense. Faith is trusting God when you can't see it. And the problem is, is that many of us believe God, but we don't trust God. Uh, there are a lot of people who believe God's word, but they don't trust God. There are a lot of people who come to church and hear the word preached and hear Bishop preaching. And, and you believe in the word of God, but you don't trust God. We believe that he's our savior. We believe that he's our Lord. He, we believe that he's our king of kings. We believe in what this text is saying. But sometimes our actions say otherwise. And here is how I know. Because when things get tough and when things get rough, sometimes we like to help God out as if he needs our help. Uh, y'all acting like y'all know what I'm talking about. Uh, you say, God, I'm believing you for a husband. But instead of waiting in preparation, you go out and date every fool you see. And then you say, God, what is going on? And God is saying, uh, but do you trust me? Uh, 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 man, uh, sometimes we go and we say, God, I'm believing that you're going to open up this door for me. I believe that you're going to uh, do this for my career. I believe that you're going to do this for my business. I believe that you're going to open up this door for me. And instead of waiting for God to open up the door, we go jamming ourselves in all the wrong doors. And then we have the nerve to look up at God and say, why? And God looks back and says, but do you trust me? Faith is trusting God when you can't see what the next step is. Faith is trusting God uh, when your life and your directions and your decisions don't make sense. Faith is trusting God when you don't understand. I remember years ago, uh, I was... I was a senior about to graduate from North Carolina A&T, the North Carolina A&T. 
And uh, I had a, God, do you trust me moment with God? Uh, for years, I had worked at a deferred prosecution firm. I was uh, working with attorneys. I was working with judges. I was working with lawyers. Uh, and I had all of them saying, hey, man, uh, wherever you want to go to school, uh, whatever school you want to apply to, whatever school you want to attend, just let, let us know. We'll put in a letter for you. We'll put in some calls for you. We'll, we'll make it happen for you. And as I'm preparing to graduate, God said, no, go to Duke. God said, no, go to, go to Duke Divinity School. And I said, but God, that, that wasn't my plan. That, that wasn't what I came here for. That, that wasn't my plan. But God said, but do you trust me? Go to a place that I show you. I, I, I've opened up a door for you. I've already made a way for you. I have a table there for you. Do you trust me? So I applied to Duke, not knowing that it was what it was. And, and, and now I have to wait. I have to play the waiting game for this door that God has opened for me. I had to play the waiting game uh, for this opportunity that God said he had for me. So I'm waiting for months, I'm waiting for months, and I'm going to the mailbox, and I'm checking the mailbox, I'm waiting for months, and I'm waiting for months. And one day, I go to the mailbox, and I receive a letter from Duke. And they say, sorry, Mr. Foltz, we unfortunately have accepted all of the applicants that uh, we are accepting at this time. Uh, but you have been waitlisted. And like little George, with tears in my eyes, I, I stood there. And I said, God, God, but you told me to go here. God, but you told me to do this. God, but you told me to apply here. And God said, but do you trust me? And it was in that moment that I started dancing. It was in that moment that I started praising. And it was in that moment that I said, God, I trust you. It was in that moment I said, God, I believe. It was in that moment I said, God, your promises are true. It was in that moment I said, God, your promises are yay and amen. And every day I would go to the mailbox when I came from school and I would dance at the mailbox. And I would say, God, I believe you. And God, I trust you. And for month after month after month, I spent dancing after at the mailbox. And then I went to the mailbox another day. Went to the mailbox another day. And, and I got another letter. It said, Mr. Fultz, we are sorry to let you know that we, we've accepted all of the applicants uh, that we're going to accept at that time. So, so I, I, I didn't cry a tear. I didn't, I didn't shed a tear. I just went back to the mailbox and I just started dancing. I said, God, I trust you. God, I believe. God, I'm standing on your promise. And then another three months later came and, and, and uh, the dean of the school called me. And she said, oh, Mr. Fultz, I, I, I know you have been waiting a long time. I, I know you've been waiting patiently on the wait list, uh, but it was worth the wait. So y'all don't know where to say amen. She said, it was worth the wait. Not only are you getting a 75% scholarship, uh, but we, we are opening up all kinds of other doors for you once you arrive here at the school. Now, I know I said I may have told you that story before, and I'm going to tell you it again until you get it. Here is the lesson that I'm trying to teach you. Uh, the one I trust you moment that I had with God not only opened up the Duke door, but it opened up the Africa door. It opened up the Princeton door. It opened up the door for me to get my PhD right now. It opened up so many doors after doors after doors after doors after doors after doors because I said, God, I trust you. God, I trust you when I can't see it. I trust you when my situation looks bleak. I trust you when my, I'm facing an obstacle. I trust you when it seems insurmountable. I trust you when it looks impossible. God, I trust you. 
I wish I had 500 folk in here who said, God, I trust you. God, I believe. God, I believe your promises are yea. Amen. God, I trust you. But y'all, y'all don't have to take my word for it. Let's ask Jairus. Jairus, 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 he was, he finds himself looking at an impossible situation. Jairus, he's looking at his daughter dying on her deathbed. And he hears that Jesus is on his way back in town. And with tears in his eyes, he looks at his daughter. With tears in his eyes, with pain in his heart, he looks at his daughter and said, I've done all that I can. Let me find my way to Jesus. And he begins the long walk. He begins the long journey to where Jesus is. And, and he's walking. I can only imagine being Jairus in that moment. The lonely walk, the painful walk, the heartache that he felt, the depression that he felt, uh, the pain in his body, the pain, uh, the brokenness that he was wrestling with as he looked at his daughter on her deathbed. He's walking to Jesus and he gets to the sea where Jesus is at and Jesus is getting off the boat and he's surrounded by a crowd of people whoo, that need the same thing that he needs. He's surrounded by a throng of people that are looking for Jesus to give them the same thing that he needs. And this is what Jairus does. He does something different than everybody else is doing. He does, he does, Mark or Matthew tells us that Jairus drops down on his knees and he worships. He drops down on his knees and he worships. He drops down on his knees and he worships. Everybody else is trying to touch him. Everybody else is trying to throng him. But he drops down on his knees and he worships. Beloved, if you want to get the attention of Jesus, drop down on your knees and worship. If you ever want to get the attention of God, drop down on your knees and worship. If you ever want to touch heaven, drop down on your knees and worship. Jairus, the synagogue leader. You gotta read your Bibles. Jairus, the leader of worship. Jairus, the pastor, the teacher of the house. Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, drops down on his knees and worship. What do you do, beloved, when the pastor needs Jesus? What do you do when you're the minister that needs Jesus? What do you do when you're the elder that needs Jesus? What do you do when you're the, the teacher that needs Jesus? What do you do when you're the deacon that needs Jesus? What do you do when you're the usher that needs Jesus? What do you do when you're the greeter that needs Jesus? What do you do when you find yourself in an impossible situation? You have an issue with your husband. You have an issue at the point of death. You have an issue with your kid. You have an issue on your job. You have an issue in your body. What do you do? While you're ushering, death is knocking at your door. While you're greeting, death is knocking at your door. While you're preaching, death is knocking at the door. What do you do? Ah, uh, for Jairus, it was death knocking at the door of his daughter. And he said, Lord, please, please come and put your hands on my daughter. Put your hands on my daughter so that she will be healed and live. Healed and live. He knew, he knew 
that in that moment that he couldn't get her to him. But he had enough faith to believe that he could get Jesus to her. Ah, you read your Bibles. I wonder if there's at least 300 folk in here who have the audacity to believe that I may not be able to drag my husband, I may not be able to drag my job, I may not be able to drag my issue into here, but I believe that I can get Jesus to my situation. I, I wish I had a few more amens right there. I believe that I can get Jesus to my job. I believe I can get Jesus to my son. I believe I can get Jesus to my marriage. I believe I can get Jesus to my kids. I believe that I can get Jesus. Because Jairus had the audacity to believe, Jesus says, Jairus, yes, I'll join you. And, And the moment that Jesus says yes, the moment that they begin the journey, the moment that they begin to walk towards Jairus' house, Jairus' faith gets interrupted. His daughter's deliverance gets delayed. Why? Because Jesus is being surrounded by a throng of people who all need the same thing that Jairus' daughter needs. A touch from Jesus. Then the text says that there was a woman who for 4,383 days, for 144 months, for 624 weeks, For 105,192 hours, for 12 years, there was a woman who found herself suffering with an issue in her body. She found herself fighting for her life, fighting for her health, fighting to get, get through the crowd to get to Jesus. And this is what she says, you know what, Lord, I don't need you to come to my house. Mm -mm. I don't need you to come to my house. I don't need you to come to my house. I don't even need you to to touch me, Lord. I have enough faith to believe uh, that that there is power in your clothes. I I believe that there's there's oil in your cloak. I believe there's healing in your hymn. I don't need you to touch me. I don't need you to walk with me to my house. I believe that if I just touch your hymn, there is healing in your hymn. Oh, it's, it's... It's one thing to press him, but it's something altogether different to touch him. Uh, How many of you have have seen people touch Jesus but didn't touch Jesus? How many of you have been in the presence of God but didn't feel the presence of God? How many of you have been in the presence of God and God was moving and the spirit was moving, the spirit was flowing, and you got what you need but your neighbor didn't? You can touch God but not touch him. How many of that people, how many people in that crowd that were touching? He said, he said, who touched me? Who who touched me? Who touched me? And everywhere that he turned, he had people thronging him, people touching them, people grabbing at people, people grasping at him, people trying to get his attention, people trying to get them to feel their need. But, but they didn't get what they needed, but she did. Who touched me? And Jesus says, woman, your faith has made you whole. Not your touch. Not your touch. Not your touch. Your faith has made you whole. She waited 12 long years, 12 
painful years, 12 hurting years, 12 arduous years, waiting for her healing from God, waiting for her to hear these words. Daughter, you are healed. Daughter, be made whole. And as Jairus is standing there, I can imagine Jairus being excited because he sees this woman getting the very thing his daughter needs. So that would excite me because if it's working for her, then it's going to work for me. If God is healing her, then it's going, he's going to heal me. If God is healing her, then he'll heal my daughter. And the text says that while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from his situation. Some people came from his circumstance. Some people came from the house of Jairus and said, uh, leave Jesus alone. Your daughter is already dead. I wonder what was running through Jairus' head in that moment. Jesus, if you wouldn't have stopped and spent all this time with this woman, we would be at my house already. Jesus, if you would have told these people to go home, we would have been there already. Jesus, if you wouldn't have spent all your time with all these people, my daughter would be healed by now. And before, Jesus, uh, before Jairus could sink into his depression, Jesus said, Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. Not only does faith require a belief, not only does faith require trust, faith requires obedience. Don't be afraid, just believe and that's a word for some of you in here today because I don't know what you're going through but I want you to look death in the eye I want you to look defeat in the eye I want you to look disappointment in the eye and say you know what God I believe can you see life in the midst of your circumstance can you see life in a dead place can you see life uh, when things are looking bleak uh, I know what the doctor said, but can you see light? I know what the counselor said, but can you see light? I know what the lawyer said, but can you see light? Faith is believing what you know ain't so. <sighs> Sometimes as we are walking by faith, what we hear is in conflict with what God said. Your Savior is saying one thing, but your situation is saying something altogether different. Uh, your Savior is saying one thing, but your circumstance is saying something else. Your Savior is saying one thing, but your bank account is saying something. Your Savior is saying one thing, but your job is saying something else. Your Savior is saying one thing, but you're saying something different in your kid. You're your Savior is saying one thing. Uh, but your mind and your, your body is saying something else. But faith, the Bible says that faith comes by Hearing and hearing the word of the Lord, not hearing your situation, but hearing your savior. What are you hearing? Are you hearing from God? Or are you hearing from your situation? Are you hearing from God? Or are you hearing for, from your circumstance? What are you listening to? Why? Because what you're listening to affects how you wait. What you're listening to affects how you behave in your waiting season. And so, and so this is what Bishop wants you to know. What is the nature of a faith that waits? 
Number one, and I'm almost done, a faith that waits does so because of the one to whom the request is made. A faith that waits does so because of the one to whom the request is made. So in other words, I have faith because I know who I'm talking to. I believe because I know who I'm talking to. I trust because I know who I'm talking to. I believe because I know who I'm talking to. And here it is, faith in scripture is trust based on what we know of God. So what do we know of God, beloved? What does scripture teach us about God, beloved? It teaches us, number one, that God is gyro, that God is healer, that God is deliverer, that God is way maker, that God is promise keeper, that God uh, is chain breaker. I ain't done. It teaches us that God is peacemaker. It teaches us that God is redeemer. It teaches us that God is savior no i'm not done it teaches us that god is emmanuel he's my light he's my salvation he's my bright and morning star he's the way he's the truth he's the life he's the cornerstone he's the rose of sharon it teaches us that he's the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end he's the rock on which i stand we know that he is the author and the finisher of our faith when you know who he is you know what he does and when you know what he does, uh, you know that you won't have a problem waiting. Number one, a faith that waits does so because of to whom the request is made. Number two, a faith that waits does so out of confidence in the reply. I am confident of this very thing, that he that has begun a good work in me shall perform it. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. We have confidence because we aren't praying to a God who does not hear us. We have confidence because we aren't praying to a God who leaves our messages on red. We aren't praying to a God who sends us to voicemail. No, we are praying a God. We serve a God that hears us when we pray. And I thought I'd get a few more amens right there. I thought at least I had 500 folk in here who knows what it means uh, to hear God's prayer, to have God hear your prayer. I thought I had some people in here who know what it means uh, when you lift up your voice, when you shout unto God, when you lift your prayer unto God, he answers you when you pray. Number one, a faith that waits does so because of the one to whom the request is made. Number two, a faith that waits does so out of confidence in the reply. And then here's the last one. A faith that waits does so with assurance of the results. So in other words, we know that he is going to do exactly what he said he was going to do. If he showed it to you, it's got to happen. If he told you, it's got to happen. If he said it, it's got to happen. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. For some of you right now, God is giving you courage. For some of you right now, God is strengthening your heart. And then for some of you in here and watching online, God is saying your wait is over. Uh, but, but, but here is the question, beloved. And here, and here is the question that we have to answer. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you trust what I said is true? Do you trust uh, what I promised you years ago is true? Do you trust what I told you in the midst of your prayers? Do I trust you uh, in the midst of your heart? Do you trust me in the midst of what you're going through? And uh, 
when Jairus, when Jairus found himself in the midst of an impossible situation, in the midst of an impossible circumstance, in the midst of one of the craziest situations that he's ever found himself in his life, the first thing he did was drop to his knees and he worshiped. And beloved, while you are in your waiting season, I believe that we should be in a posture of worship. I believe that while we are waiting for God to move, and while we are waiting for our change to come, and while we are waiting for our deliverance to come, this is where we should be. This is where we should be. And maybe there's somebody in here right now who is saying, God, I am dealing with an impossible situation. An impossible situation at home. An impossible situation with my kids. An impossible situation at work. An impossible situation in my body. And God is saying, do you trust me? Do you believe that I will do what I said I will do? Do you believe that your healing is around the corner? Do you believe that your breakthrough is on the way? Do you believe that your son will be saved? Do you believe that the door is going to open? Do you believe that the cancer will lift your body? Do you believe that the depression will go away? Do you believe that the suicidal thoughts will go away? Do you believe that your mother would be healed? Do you believe that your, heat, your knee would be healed? Do you believe that your broken heart will be put back together again? Do you believe that I will move on your behalf. Do you trust me in your waiting season? I know it's been five months. I know it's been five years. It may have been 50 years that you've been believing that I was going to move, but do you trust me? Well, this is where I want you to be. I want you to be on your knees and worship. In the midst of a throng of people, Jairus, he gets on his knees. He gets before God, he gets prostrate. And he says, God, I need you to do something for my daughter. And I know we can't come to the altar right now, but you can make an altar right where you are and say, God, I need you to make a way. God, I need you to move. I need you to move in this season. The song said, God is able to do what you said you would do. God, I believe that you're going to do what you said you're going to do. 
And there are times where I wrestle with doubt. There are times where I'm confused. And there are times where I'm angry. And I say, God, how did my situation get like this? How did my life get like this? How did I end up here? How did I end up like this? And I wrestle with faith. I believe you. I believe that your word is true. I'm here at church. I believe. But sometimes I have a problem trusting you. Help me to trust you again. Not conditionally, but completely and consistently. Help me to trust you. And if that's that, if that's you, I just want you to lift your hands wherever you are. And to be able to and just create an atmosphere for worship to flow. Create an atmosphere for healing to flow. Create an atmosphere for his deliverance to flow. Create an atmosphere for change to flow. Create an atmosphere for strength to flow. Create an atmosphere. Because there are some people in here who are on the brink of fainting. There's some people in here who are on the brink of letting go. There's some people in here who are in the midst of giving up and they need God to move now. Will you all lift your hands with them? Will you all lift your hands with them? Father, we thank you for making a way. We thank you for making a way. We thank you for making a way. Come on, let's create an atmosphere of worship. The only reason why I'm standing here today and I didn't give up I didn't give in and I didn't let go it's because you strengthened me when I wanted to let go I could stay in here and preach this message because even as a pastor, even as a leader, I found myself in moments where I believed God, but I didn't trust God. I didn't trust God to heal me. I didn't trust God to deliver me from addiction. I didn't trust God to deliver me from my pain. I didn't trust God to put together my broken pieces. So I know that I'm not the only one who has wrestled with learning how to trust God in the midst of your impossible. How to trust God when you can't see your way out. How to trust God in the midst of your storm. 
how to trust God when it looks bleak how to trust God when death is knocking at your door I came here to let you know beloved that whether it's been 12 years 12 months or 12 days it's worth the wait it's worth the wait waiting on God, it's worth the wait. When you're waiting on him, it's worth the wait. Now, I don't know about Nene. I don't know about JJ. I don't know about grandma. I don't know about auntie. But when you are waiting on God, it is worth the wait. And I'll the word wait when you look at it in the Hebrew, it means that I'm waiting in anticipation and expectation. I don't think you got me. I'm waiting in anticipation and expectation that God is going to do exactly what he said he was going to do. So if there's somebody in here who is in need of God, if there's somebody in here who is in their waiting season, if there's somebody in here who is in their believing season, if there's somebody in here who is in their trusting season and you have been waiting for 12 years and you've been waiting for 12 months and you've been waiting for 12 days, uh, now is the time for you to praise God in your expecting season, in your waiting season. Now is for you to say hallelujah anyhow God I'm gonna praise you in spite of what I'm going through God I'm gonna praise you in spite of what I'm wrestling God I'm gonna praise you God as I enter your courts with thanksgiving I will enter your, your courts with praise God I will bless you in spite of what I am going through come on just put your hands together and lift up a praise lift up your voices and to begin to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Shout like you believe that it's already done. Shout like you believe that he's given you your strength. Shout like you believe that he's given you your courage. Shout like you believe that your breakthrough is on the way. Shout like you believe that it's coming around the corner. Shout like you believe that it's already done. Come on, shout like you believe that what you are standing in belief for, what you are trusting God for, what you are standing and praying for is on its way. of what you see. Faith is believing in spite of what's in front of your face. Faith is believing in spite of what's going on at work, in spite of what your bank account looks like, in spite of what the doctor said, in spite of what the prognosis said. 
I believe, even when I know it ain't so, Jairus, your daughter is dead. Don't worry. Just believe. Is anybody going to believe this morning? I said, is anybody going to believe this morning? Not only are you going to believe, but are you going to trust him this morning? Amen. Maybe there's someone in here. You don't know Jesus Christ. This is your first time in a church service. This might be your first time on the stream. This might be your first time hearing about Jesus. You're hearing about this guy who can make a way in your life. You're hearing about this person who can change your life. You're hearing about this person who can move on your life. You're hearing about this person who can do the impossible in your life. And you're saying, God, I want to meet that person. Pastor, I want to meet that man. Pastor, I want to know him. If that's you, just raise your hand. We have some deacons up here who want to pray for you. If that's you, just raise your hand. Maybe you're on your online and you're saying, God, I need you. I want you to be my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Just type that in the chat. We'll have somebody reach out to you. We'll have somebody connect with you. Go ahead, let's pray. Father, we thank you for these, your people, that are standing here today. Standing here in the midst of an impossible situation. Standing here in the midst of an impossible circumstance. Standing here in their waiting season. We stand here believing that in spite of it all, that you will make a way. Help us to trust you in the midst of our waiting season. Help us to know you. Know the person that we're requesting. Help us to, to trust him and be confident that when we pray that you hear our prayers and you hear our cries. But then also, God, help us be confident in the fact that when we lift our prayers to you, that we know it shall come to pass. We thank you for it. We believe you. We trust you. And in Jesus' mighty name, we pray. We all said together. We all said together. We all said together. Amen. Well, I hope that message blessed you. I hope it touched you. I hope that it encouraged your faith in this season of your life. I want to do something really quickly. I want to pray, not just for you, but I want to pray for your pastor. I want to pray that God would strengthen him uh, and that God would be with him and that God would give him peace. So could you join me in praying for your pastor? Father, we thank you for Pastor Almond and his amazing family. We pray uh, that uh, you will lead him and guide him and the way that he should go in this season. We're thankful uh, that you are a God who walks with us in every season, every heartache, every good time, every bad time, that you are walking with us at all points in our lives. And we know that uh, our pastor needs you. Uh, we know that his family needs you. And we know that you're the only one that can put the pieces of his heart and the pieces of his life back together again. And so we pray that you would be with him in this season. And we pray, oh God, for his congregation. We pray for a people that would be there to strengthen him, be there to uplift him, 
be there to, uh, to, to, to help him in this time of need. Uh, we thank you, O oh God, for how you're moving on Higher Definition Church and how your hand is on it and how your power is flowing through it and how your anointing is flowing through it. And we thank you that people are coming from the north, the south, the east, and the west, and resources are coming from the north, the south, the east, and the west, that you are doing something amazing in that church and in that city. And we pray, and as we always pray, Lord, whatever you are doing in this season, you don't do it without us. We want to be a part of the move of God in this season. Lord, give us a faith that waits. Give us a faith that, that can withstand the waiting season. Because we know that the thing that we're believing for on the other side of that wait is far greater than what we're dealing with in the week. Higher Definition Church, I love you. I can't wait to get there in person. And I hope to see you soon. Enjoy that sunny weather and be blessed.